From the Alcatraz East Crime Museum and Jack the Ripper guided tours, dark tourism is now a multi-million pound global industry. In this episode of the Transforming Society podcast, Becky Taylor talks to Adam Lines, Craig Kelly and James Treadwell, editors of 50 Dark Destinations, about this worrying trend in contemporary consumer culture. Hi Adam, hi Craig, hi James. Thanks very much for coming on the Transforming Society podcast today. Um, I'm going to just dive right in and ask you, what is a dark destination and what do you mean by dark tourism? I think for myself, and James and Adam might disagree, but I think we're all on kind of the same wavelength with this. Everyone knows what dark tourism is on site. Um, It's very much like the idea of violence. People have an idea, um, a Jap Ripper talk. People are instantly going to think dark tourism. Sites are mass atrocities, so... Those that are visiting Auschwitz, for example, it's quite dark tourism. You know, it's not a day down the beach, is it? So I think the general public will instantly think of that. And the book really opens with that. I think what we've kind of tried to certainly do, and I'm hoping is conveyed through the book, is take the reader on a little bit of a journey in itself where we start with these quite extreme and other ideas that are a bit obscure with Travis Lineman's book on cocaine, a chapter on cocaine bear, for example. And then it settles into the Jack the Ripper tours. It settles into plantation tours. But the conversations that we were having around this notion of grace culture, um, these ideas of what draws people to the dark, so the Netflix series that were dominating, you know, everyone's life in lockdown. Everyone tried to complete Netflix, didn't they? So it was not making banana bread. Um, it, it got us thinking, where, where do we draw the line with dark and how do we need to start really reconceptualising that for the world that we were and are now living in? Um, it, obviously, quite a lot of our academic work, quite a lot of our readings framed around notions of political economy, ideas of consumerism, etc. We had the work coming out around ghost criminology and then hauntology. And it started to make us think, what is the difference between, for example, going to Jack Ripper tour, or one of the first times we managed to get back to Leeds to see my family, I took kids up there, and we had a day out in Royal Armouries Museum. The most quintessential middle-class way to spend a day, take your kids to a museum, sneak some education in. And, you know, he's my little one's doing history, and I'm sneaking a bit of teaching in there to him, and he's just like, wow, a weapon! There's an elephant there, right? Now we can talk about colonialism. But then there's that thing in the back of your mind where we're all aware that 95% of the artifacts in that museum are taken through violence historically. And you were seeing these conversations proliferate through the media anyway. Or are we, um, the other question is, or are we aware though, I suppose, because the, the thing is in some ways that, you know, what, what you get with those sorts of Netflix shows and the David Farrier stuff is you, you people are attracted to go into places where there's a more obvious and overt kind of darkness to them. But we don't necessarily think that, you know, people heading off on their ski holidays, for example, um, are, are involved in in dark tourism. There's there's a big divide there. It, Although it is that obscure really cool. darkness, isn't it? It's Absolutely. a bit where that, that sideways glances, as I could put it, for example, you start to recognise it, but you don't overtly think about it. And it was these conversations that we were having when I had to explain to Little McCunkowski and when we were locked in house, it really drove us to be like, right, let's just, let's email 50 odd people, see if anybody wants to get involved. And we got lucky that with everything going on in well, people were kind enough to even hear us out, I think, to be honest, because it were a bit of a random idea we had there. And 
yeah, hopefully it takes reader on this journey, doesn't it, where we go from these really stark examples to the questions of Amazon warehouses, skiing, scuba diving in the Maldives. Um, I, I, think, I think that's one of the, the things in a way, and that, that's one of the reasons that the book crosses over and, and, and isn't just an academic book, because, you know, academics all like to sit in their ivory towers and they like to philosophise and theorise about grand ideas and they will throw out the names of these obscure philosophers that most people won't ever pick up and read because they find them way too dull and boring. But what we're trying to do in some ways as well is to ask those sort of popular questions um, that relate to a much wider audience about why and how we do things and, and how we act and how we're complicit in these systems that allow us to kind of go, well, you know, some people aren't they strange because they like to watch lots and lots of documentaries about serial killers or go on holiday to Cambodia and see the killing fields. But that's not us. And then as we kind of question that more and more and more, I think, you know, what you begin to recognise is there's much more us in some of that than some people necessarily give credit for. And actually, if you kind of... Absolutely. You know, everybody is somewhere, you know, is going to be attracted in, in some ways. And we think of, you know, now, no one has a problem conceiving of Auschwitz as a dark destination. We know that, you know, it's a prime site for the killing of six million people during the Holocaust. No one thinks of Magaluf on their holidays as a dark destination, you know. Um, and yet, actually, if you think about what goes on in places like Magaluf, it might not be the mass slaughter of human beings. And I'm not in any way, shape or form saying there's some sort of equivalence, but what attracts a lot of people to, you know, it, to the the kind of underside and seedy side of lots of destinations is the kind of liberation and, and freedom from any kind of normal values. And then exactly, from normality. The, the, yeah, and actually all the rules of, of what normally make you ceasing to apply. And if you start to think about those things, you can also then begin to see, seek to understand and see the behaviour of other people you know that actually you can you know you you can begin to understand much more if you can kind of relate it to the self a little bit more and and, and broaden some of those sort of horizons so it, like you say you, you know we don't think of the the royal armories as a sort of dark destination we might not think of skiing on holiday as as being dark but but actually if if we begin to unpack it a little bit you know every time we get on an aeroplane you know we're, we're contributing in some ways to to global warming but kind of disavowing that which we do and this yeah in a way in a way when we go back to the original question about what is dark tourism often is defined as death, suffering, violence. In the book, we're not trying to say it isn't that. Actually, it is, but in a different way. So we're kind of deconstructing it and then kind of rebuilding it in a way which is still coherent for all the other previous work that's been done and people have people conceptualise and define dark tourism, but with some new additions to it, some new, but I guess, you know, new, new perspectives. Why the gears, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so going into that, because I think that's something that you unpack really well in the introduction to the book. Um, why is it that we are, <laughs> in a nutshell, if you can, so interested in such macabre forms of tourism? Um, you know, both the more overtly obvious ones and perhaps the, the other ones. That, again, is a fantastic question. And as for the why, I think it's a fundamental part of being human, um, ultimately, you know, that... that 
um why why do people many people sort of slow down to survey the scene of the the car crash because actually you know you, you, you they want to be there they want to see it they want to partake there's a fear of missing out there's there's all sorts of behavior on one hand you can cast that action as irresponsible irrational terrible you know but i think there's there's also something at times kind of deeply human about that that wanting to kind of understand and and feel and and connect and it can come in in very different ways for for different people and 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 i think we kind of accept that um you know there there will be people who visit for example the 911 memorial wanting to kind of pay tribute there will i'm sure be some people who visit it as a kind of with a kind of you know well i i kind of celebrate the event they wouldn't necessarily state it overtly or they wouldn't get into the united states but you know the motives of people are going to be various and and, and different but i think the idea that we're not attracted to to the dark side of life that you know we that we seek to avoid it necessarily i think that there's there's something kind of there's something quite wrong about that at, at times i think it is by the very nature of of being human yeah yeah that people people want to understand good and bad you know they're trying to make sense of it through their surroundings mortality and start to make sense of the world around them absolutely and and the vitality of of actually being there as well which i think was one of the things that came out of of lockdown you know where you know all of a sudden when you denied access to these things you know when you're you're denied the human contact when you denied the sight but also the sight the sound the smell the feel the heat you know it's an experiential phenomenon that you have to be there in and of course that's one of the interesting things about a lot of academia It, it denies those aspects it makes subjects very kind of dry and very distant and you know studies them away from that those aspects of of being human but but those things are really perhaps important towards our understanding i think this is where jack denham's chapter is quite important where he starts talking about staycation and the fact uh, at the time you know we're locked in our homes and you can visit anything on google maps you can go around you can take the tour and then obviously adam with his amazon paper took the tour from home and how that's shifted as well. We're ever more distant in society from everyone else. We're more exclusive, we're more excluded. Mm. And it's that community event of going and being somewhere together. Absolutely. And of course, with with a lot of darkness as well, you know, you, you have the added element of of sort of taboos and the things that, you know, I mean, if we lived in if we lived in the Victorian period, far more people will have will have, you know, physically and, and in person seen death. We now live very distant from death. You know, we can talk about being shown death as normalized on on um on in the media, for example, but that doesn't have the doesn't have the smell of of a, a rotting corpse. It doesn't have the, you know, uh, so some of that which would have historically been quite familiar and 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 natural occurrence for human beings has become very, very distant from them. And I think if you think of it that way, that that desire to kind of reconnect and understand. It, it isn't something that's necessarily um, bad or irrational or, or it, it's something that's perhaps very, very fundamental to, to what makes us sort of sentient creatures that, that process our own thoughts and understand ourselves. Yeah, so I think in the book, you're also exploring that this when this becomes problematic, can you perhaps 
speak around why why you see this as potentially such an issue? I think this was the hardest part of the book is it were getting 50 people to write what they see and keep a narrative, but while being quite honest about it, there are some times where it is highly problematic. And it's not the site as such which makes it problematic. Some of these sites that we're classing as dark tourism are fundamentally needed and incredibly important. Auschwitz, for example, the world can never forget what happened there. But then we were seeing on Instagram, on social media such as TikTok, people getting the selfie sticks out and making, you know, taking pictures on the railway lines that people were taking to the death. And that's that fundamental inversion where people have become maybe so, so about the self that they're not thinking about the purpose of actually being there. People are chasing the picture on Instagram, the exclusivity, the, the difference and not taking into account the actual site. Um, James just mentioned the 9-11 memorial. I know someone that was there a few weeks back and the message me absolutely disgusted. The, the group that was in front of them were treating it as an all-day drinking session. Mm. And but, that, that's where we've got that change. And of course, some of those activities that people do as well are just, it, it, that could be considered dark tourism, are just overtly harmful as well, you know, and, and, and problematic. So if we think about um, sub-Saharan Africa and trophy hunting, you know, where you get rich Westerners going out to shoot an animal, admittedly, they'll say, you know, we licked an animal at the end of its life. And so I'm doing it. I'm shooting animals to conserve them. <laughs> you know? um, right. OK. Um, you, but, you know, there are some forms that, that, that are just overtly problematic you know there, there there are aspects of tourism that you know rich westerners definitely engage in that 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 cause all manner of problems and cause problems associated problems in the countries that that, that they're often going into which are impoverished or disadvantaged where, where there's a kind of narrow exploitation which often then doesn't kind of get thought about in the you know the instagram photographs so one of the things we were just trying to do is to to get people to pause and, and think a, a little bit you know um a bit of sort of pause and, and reflection we're going to touch upon what craig was saying and you james about different um i guess in interpretations and individual you know tourists and their and their motivations which kind of falls even more the behavioral side of dark tourism studies the conventional understandings of dark tourism studies there's also the the interpretivist or site management theories which ties into again you might have all these different destinations but it also comes down to those who own those particular destinations and how they um kind of intend to kind of depict and advertise and i guess um i don't want to say the word perform um but kind of you know in, in essence construct that particular site and the messages it, want, it wants to convey and um, so the chapter on, um, that comes to my mind is Laura Hammond's and uh, her discussion around the um, do you do you or do you not buy the Ted Bundy T-shirt and her kind of discussions there around, you know, this is a place that in many ways has made a celebrity, you know, further um, creating a celebrity out of, you know, these um, horrific offenders who you know, killed innocent people. And people obviously do want to go and buy these things and they're obviously more than willing um, to give them what they want, or what they think they want mm -hmm. anyway. So again, yeah. I think I think it's a very it can be a very fractured in a way and splintered um, area of study in terms of both human motivations and also the sites themselves and how they manifest and their motivations. Do they want to educate or do they want to make money off it? I think that's a really interesting point, actually. One of the chapters that I found really fascinating was the one about Whitney Plantation that I think Thomas mm -hmm. Raymond wrote, and I think that was a really interesting discussion of 
like a site that's trying to commemorate and educate people. Um, and he said that one was done particularly well, although that there are some that maybe are, are less good sites of slavery. Um, former slavery in America, but that there was also a process of um, a kind of psychological process of uh, using such visits as a way of kind of othering that as something that's in history, it's something that's not happening now. And then, um, mm-hmm. you know, argued that so much of our modern purchases, such as laptops and phones and et cetera, have components in them where there are yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, atrocities within that yeah. supply chain. Even even our our very ability to to do travel, you know, and and to be tourists. If you think about it, if you know half of the world is living on less than a dollar a day, you know, um, even those who are kind of calling for you know more global social justice, you know, if, 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 irrespective of any facet of your identity, you have an immense amount of privilege against the the unprivileged voices that often don't speak out and and don't see things. And I've been to places where that's really sort of starkly apparent in in you know the tourism industry for example you know where the locals are kind of moved out of the way for people to go and enjoy beach holidays in north africa you know go on the beach of tunis in you know uh, tunisia or port alcantui you know and go and go go and really enjoy the beach but of course you're seeing kind of populations being displaced living in slums that you're often not seeing because they're kept away that was and highlighted people... sorry to interrupt you that's highlighted in a, the first season of white lotus and everyone's watched that um it seems to be a big thing at the moment and that was all about i think it was in hawaii and how yeah. all the you know the workers how they've been how they've been poorly treated obviously poorly paid but also the ramifications to their you know culture identity and space being pushed out yeah a- absolutely and, and and again you know those things those things often aren't necessarily the focus when we when we think about um, you know kind of social justice in in criminology. People aren't then not going on their holiday in the Maldives while they kind of call for social justice. You know, part of the world that's going to be underwater fairly fairly soon because of the way that you know developing countries and developed countries have had advantages that 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 country simply hasn't. You know, um, so th- there are there are kind of questions. There there's a there's an even greater degree of of sort of self-reflection that that I think we can do at times that that often doesn't feature in these sort of very superficial calls for for forms of of social justice I think you know. And I think it's something that impacts if you take this kind of broader understanding of dark tourism it's something that doesn't just impact I suppose how most people might view as a niche target audience of people that have perhaps historically been pushed to the side or kind of you know, it seemed a bit quirky and a bit strange, as James kind of highlighted earlier. But actually, if you take this broader understanding, it impacts everyone. Um, yeah. So the ramifications, I think, um, are far greater than if we if we kind of keep dark tourism in this kind of um, in its more kind of I guess I guess um, historic kind of understandings. I think it's um, opening yeah. that suggestion to people of realistically, we're all involved in this we're not going to stop the vast majority of us. Um, but what are we going to try to do better? So, for example, I'm not going to stop going skiing. My wife would never allow that. But I might find somewhere to get there a bit more ethically. Instead of all of us flying, you know, we might we drive the equipment down in the car, for example. Even if it's just them small changes, that could add up to a huge difference. 
Oh, but also even if it's n no changes, perhaps dropping the sort of disingenuous nature whereby people point sure. at others for their their failures, while that without recognising their own, you know, oh how dare you? Which the I think is that kind of moralistic paternalism that really gets people's goats when you know someone stands there and lectures you from a point of you know not recognising their own involvement yeah. in in the system or the benefits that they derive from it. Someone that might say people who go to Jack Ripper tours are, you know, um, horrible individuals who are obviously, you know, fascinated with, fascinated with the macabre, and but then they'll happily go and buy their TVs and their, I don't know, whatever, their, their home appliances on Amazon. It's yeah. that kind of, almost, um, I guess it's unintended. I, I think it's, um, they're not aware, I think, of perhaps it's, the contradiction. For me, it's a sense of irony in this summer that I know, I mean, you have embedded on the module we look around Deviant Leisure and Dark Tourism at BCU, Adam. It's very much this conversation of we're, we're all involved. Like, we we will talk about, you know, drinking in the nighttime economy in a lecture, and then after work, we'll go to a pub. And we painstakingly highlight this to the students. I think a book kind of does that as well. With dark tourism having been present really throughout history from the Roman Colosseums and the gladiators through to the executions in 18th century Britain, um, when you gathered these contributions together, were you aware of anything that popped out as unusual that gave like dark tourism today a distinctly modern flavour? I think... I think the most obvious one um, in some ways and, and, and the, the one I think will shock people um, that's there is is the, the contribution that uh, that frames uh, essentially uh, Disney World in Florida as, uh, as kind of quintessential dark tourism. I mean, I, I'm. I'm reasonably lucky and privileged, I suppose, in that, you know, I'm, I'm well-travelled. I've been to Africa, I've been to Australia and New Zealand and bits of Asia. I've been all over the world. It's one of the, the kind of, like, uh, you know, things I, I still find hard to believe. And and I, and I, I have been, you know, to, to I, I've been to Disney World. And you would think, you know, Dancing Mickey Mouses and, you know, Chip and Dale, as it was when I was kid you know who were in the rescue rangers and fairy princess parades you know how could you how could you kind of think of that as in any way shape or form it's almost what people would consider the sort of antithesis of uh, of dark tourism in a way but then you know let's flip the question and think a little bit more think about how the disney company kind of have become the sort of dominant force that they are think about worker rights in the united states of america and how people are in engaged and employed think about the security in the park and how it's monitored and maintained and think about the kind of the ethic that underpins it and the power that the corporation can have in terms of where it cites its its parks how culturally you know um they can you know at a time where the us and, and china are kind of conflicted how they can make disney appeal the us can make disney appealing for a chinese audience you know we don't think of kind of the the, the development of disney and the, the narratives that they're framing as being about you know um the profit line that comes with the acceptability to a to a chinese audience for example yeah you know? i think they um i think they deliberately edited out certain characters from the star wars films yeah, from the chinese posters yeah despite uh, what they might um say to i guess the more western audience of you know equality and social justice and inclusion yeah when it comes to making money in other countries they're happy to 
it'll literally remove <laughs> not not even skirt around just take out yeah yeah and, and editing the films themselves if they're you know if they you know certain characters might form relationships that if they don't fall in line with other countries kind of views on that then they will remove them so the sense of them um yeah so i absolutely agree i, I love i guess that the I guess the, the first chapter and the last chapter kind of captures the essence of the book, that kind of journey. You start with cocaine yeah. bear and then you end in, in Disney World. And I, I like the idea of someone picking up the book. You know, that, that looks interesting, perhaps for the reasons that we've been discussing, you know, the, the front cover with the skull, all the kind of themes of dark tourism. And by the end of it, when they read Anthony Lloyd's chapter on, on, on Disney World, they kind of take a moment to reflect themselves about their own kind of tourist behaviours. So, but I agree. That chapter is absolutely fascinating, and there are there are um, of course themes of that with uh, the Amazon tour as well, and how um, when I went when I went on that tour, they went to great pains to kind of show how uh, they have very inclusive hiring practices, and everyone's so happy to be there, and everyone's <laughs> waving at the camera. And then of course you think about the actual conditions of those places and the reports, and people have literally died in these warehouses and they've literally just been told to get back to work you know don't, don't worry about the dead person we'll put some cardboard boxes around yeah. and then just carry on as, as normal and you must hit your hourly targets yes, <laughs> yes. i remember you ringing me after doing that tar adam and describing it and while i'm still outside having a sig and we're chatting away one of my neighbors were driving for amazon at the time and he got out of his van looking so utterly depressed and knackered and i was like mm -hmm. yep that that is the point, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the other one, the other one from uh, from a personal side that I think is really really interesting is I think the incorporation of of prison um, into aspects of of sort of dark tourism and and understandings and and, and so on. And I I mean I think you could probably have, have done the book on prison destinations in and of itself in in some ways because that's kind of fascinating from you know ex HMPs in the United Kingdom that they're in the trans formed into orange jumpsuited experiences you know no prisoner in the uk wears an orange jumpsuit at all if they're going to escape they wear a yellow and green one you know and there's there's no history of this at all and they'll employ the old kind of prison officer to give the stories of what it's really like you know but is it stories of what is it's really like or are they going to talk about the kind of most extreme experiences that they've faced you know how objective are they how is that flavored by their own kind of yeah and, and that kind of that kind of but that in that there's something quite interesting as well isn't there about how people kind of see or don't see and what you're allowed to see and that's similarly the case with the kind of amazon stuff um which again is where the, the book comes in from that kind of questioning aspect i suppose you know what are you being shown here and what's the reality you know um are you seeing that the happy workers who are all happy yes we're really happy hi we're happy we're happy to have you here you know but once that once that group of tourists is moved on do they do they return to being happy in that way or do they actually like really hate the fact that they have to work for you and it's really exploitative and you know they're not happy at all they just haven't got any choice in the matter you know yeah. the, 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 and and those are questions I think that we can ask wherever we travel to and whatever we see you know they're, they're, they're that kind of not taking stuff on on face value I which think I think is the theme of the book it's about the, the one thing that all of the contributors do really really well is they don't go Hey, here's the destination. Hey, wasn't it great? Isn't it great? You know, they've they've all asked questions about it, and I think that's the, the, there's something wonderful in in that kind of questioning. I think the prisons you just mentioned really show that sliding scale, and 
going back to Adam's idea of, you know, this forced happiness, a Disneyization as such of service, as Tim Turner calls it. You've got Melinda talking about Perosta Prison Hotel, it's in Latvia. And then just as we'd finished up editing, I had a weekend away in Liverpool. And I walked past Alcatraz, the bar, where yeah. you go in, get dressed in orange jumpsuits, go into a fake prison cell and get drunk with your mates. And it is this blending of entertainment with some quite serious aspects of real life, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I think one of the things that you were picking up on then, or, or I picked up on while you were all talking then, was the idea of performance being quite central to all of these things, whether it's the performance at Disney World or like the performance that you engage in when you're in the prison. And that kind of is quite an interesting concept and also came up, I think, a bit in the chapter um another unusual chapter um on um videoing through reddit of real life deaths or disasters which was quite shocking to me and that's almost another type of performance and i wondered whether um going on to the online or digital elements whether you felt that gave dark tourism a, a kind of unique flavor today that it hasn't had obviously in the past. I think it's, in my eyes, it's democratised it a little bit. Um, uh, we were talking about, you know, being privileged enough to go to some of these places and to travel the world, but we're now in a position where you can have these experiences from your own home. And when we start to look at how prevalent the internet has obviously become in society, even in some of the most poor countries, in the world, there's still high rates of access to the internet. And I think it's really opened up this in a way that perhaps it wasn't available to everyone before. And yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. the underlying question there is, and I think we've got some way in answering this, but as with a lot of the book, you know, it's left these open questions for other people to maybe challenge or add to. I think the question there is what effect does this have on society long term when it's stopped being, you know, this niche area and it is available to everyone. How does that change culture in general? Yeah, there used to be, you know, there might still be like Reddit, uh, subreddits on Reddit of um, of people posting actual footage of people getting killed and they're getting accidents and there are, of course, websites dedicated to those very things. I think some of them have been shut down, some of them haven't been. Um, but also, I noticed during the pandemic, there was uh, a lot of, um, I guess, these conventional dark tourist spaces began utilising technology on, on, on the online. I've been, I think there's Jack the Ripper online tours now as well. Yeah. And I believe there are also some, uh, I, I could be wrong, like prison tours as well, I, I imagine, with like an online component. There's, there's definitely a big business ethic behind it, isn't there? And these things can be kind of monetized and, and used for, for publicity, and in, including dark publicity. But again, I think even even in those things, you know, there's, there are there are questions there that they that, that are posed for us that sometimes perhaps people aren't entirely, you know, um, genuine about. And I, I, I mean, in broader criminology, I think some of the most interesting work I've, I've come across. Um, recently it's been people like Simon Cotty asking about the consumption of things like um, ISIS execution videos you know and and in, in his work which and and 
Simon doesn't feature in, in Dark Dest Destinations, but I find him one of those very inspiring criminologists. And uh, next time we must get Simon Cotty in. Um, but, uh, it, but, but Simon kind of asks these questions about you know, how people kind of consume this, but then often claim that they don't, you know, oh, I've, I've never watched, a, a, I'd never watch an execution video, an ISIS execution video. And yet at the same time, the kind of media almost lead up to and push people and encourage that kind of, that level of engagement at times, you know, and, and then, and then back off and, and make that very kind of obscure behaviour. And, and so we don't often necessarily have honest discussions about such things and people's attraction to the phenomena, you know. So they'll, they'll deny, you know, oh, well, I, I would never, no, I'd, I'd never do that. And yet we absolutely do know that, you know, a lot of human behaviour runs very kind of counter and, and contrary to that. And I suppose... You know, for anyone with an eye on on making the pound note or doing well or turning a profit, you know, for businesses, there is that aspect that on one hand, while often they want to kind of, you know, the ethic seems to be to present an, an incredibly kind of um, cleansed image, which has mass appeal. The other side of it is, you know, there are people making huge amounts of money out of exploiting the darkness that they have you know um, if there's it, it, things that that have been horrifically historically can be kind of reconstituted and reconfigured almost as attractive qualities to be sold and and, and thinking about that we've we won't name it but we've all got a friend here who's been in the, the middle east recently you know in a part of the middle east that you know you would never consider being a holiday destination at the moment just way too unsafe but he's you know it will be in a few years time people will forget what's been going on in the atrocities that have happened and they'll, they'll come flocking back you know and and when i mentioned sort of port alcantui earlier on you know we forget the the gunman strolling down a beach shooting western tourists because it does come back to being a holiday destination then people might pause over it but and you know and and places you know will will at some point in the future people be traveling to ukraine again to to look at the site i, I saw Keir starmer yesterday talking about you know the importance and the vitality for him in forming a political ethic of of visiting a mass grave in in ukraine you know um which is a very kind of genuine acknowledgement of it in some ways um but then will people be doing that in a few years time will the conflict end will will it become because, you know, if you visit Sarajevo today, you know, you're walking over where mortar shells have fallen, you know, you there's the framing of, of atrocity in the background and you're not too far away from Srebrenica, you know. And on one hand, I don't think the government of, of you know, of Bosnia would... would kind of make it this is a place that you must visit and they're trying to appeal in that kind of tourist way but there are people who are kind of capitalizing very very well off monetizing you know the darkest aspects of of history like Adam um, says, by the I think that's one of the things that's kind of stitched in society you've just mentioned of seven year um I remember being 12 13 getting taken over to Normandy with school and we went to a cheese factory, a cider factory, and then to the gravesites. Mm. That was that. That was the natural progression in Normandy. It's it's some of it is etched into our very social fabric. Mm. It's stopping and remembering, but 
there's always a capitalist behind it, isn't there? There uh, always uh, will be. Absolutely. And some perhaps, you know, I mean, perhaps there's more, there's more honesty at times behind those who are printing the, oh, I love Ted Bundy t-shirts. I mean, it's it's an interesting one. But I remember, I remember I went to a, a, a true crime kind of criminology event where, where they were very much kind of, you know, trying to present this as, well, this is all about, you know, remembering the victims. And and, and it's not a celebration of, you know, all the detectives and, and, and people that are coming to speak about murder and mayhem and violence and you know it's not celebrating true crime in that way it's it's very respectful you know and then you walk into the merchandising bit where people are exactly selling those t-shirts that adams talked about you know cards with serial killers names on jokes about you know fred and rose west on a birthday card that you can send to the brother-in-law you know and, and on one hand you can kind of go well that's appalling you know but is is there also a kind of honesty in in that fronted admission that 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 isn't there when people are going, no, no, we're doing this really ethically and we're really sensitive and it's all about that, you know? Is the person who's saying, no, I'm just selling Ted Bundy t-shirts because it makes me a lot of money? Are they just being more honest ultimately, you know? I think that's a really interesting point that kind of runs through the whole book and, and what you've done in gathering these together. And in fact, in reading the book itself, even picking it up and looking at the wonderful cover with the island on top and the skull underneath, I definitely had a conflict in myself in that I was attracted to the book for the very same reasons that I felt like I shouldn't be attracted to the book. <laughs> um, and, and, but I think that, it, you know, in doing so, it kind of opens your eyes to that conflict within yourself, to that kind of sense that you you want to recognize acts of violence and death in order to commemorate or learn from them but also for some reason you're you're drawn to them for perhaps less um you know ethically sound reasons and I think that's something that it's good to face up to and to question and to to carry on asking questions about yeah um, and I think oh sorry, oh, sorry. Uh, okay. I was thinking in, in terms of the cover as well I was thinking this earlier about how um how it's how the skull of course is hidden under the water and on, on the surface there is this almost very pleasant tropical um almost you know scenic island you know there's i think there's a few birds flying overhead and the sun's just setting and looks absolutely you know it looks amazing um but i think it's to you know it also demonstrates how even the most pleasant and and i guess attractive of destinations that don't seem at all on the surface to be dark, tur dark tourist in nature can of course um inhabit and and um maintains you know some very really the most prolific harms and injustices and and violence that occurs in i guess in in our modern age i think it is that it's called just a book about raising perhaps awkward questions to people and a book about honesty mm. we anyone that goes on holiday at some point as you say you are going to be part of an exploitative system let's just own it mm. yeah as I said earlier, I'm I'm not going to stop going skiing, but I can make those slight adjustments. I'm not going to stop going to Disneyland, but I'm at least going to feel a little bit, you know, a bit sketchy about it. And I've thought about it, and I'm honest about it, and and, and I recognise it as well. Perhaps. Yeah, I love it. If you, well, you, can, you can acknowledge its true nature, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I think it's that philosophy to live by, isn't it? If you're going to do it, own it. Let's let's just be frank about what we're doing here. The final thing I'd I'd want to say is just um 
how wonderful the con the contributors are to to yeah. work with you know and we haven't mentioned everyone by by any means um and if we haven't if i haven't mentioned them um it doesn't mean that i didn't absolutely love and and think that their chapter was was absolutely brilliant because i think what what's really nice about the, the book is you know it comes out as as a, over 50 authors you know working it's sometimes in collaboration um it's better because of that and and that i think every everyone has really kind of risen to the challenge and and produced something exceptionally interesting engaging and, and readable and and yeah, thanks to them massively. there's no chance we'd have been able to get a book even a quarter of quality of this is if it were just us free typing away it's um you know 50 odd diverse voices and it's made it i think something quite special yeah, so, yeah, thank yeah. You. absolutely. I, I, again, I want to extend my thanks to all the contributors. And I think kind of last words would, would be, I hope people enjoy reading it as much as we enjoyed kind of putting it all together and and kind of, I guess, you know, kind of helping to kind of construct and uh, the book. Um, so, so yeah, yeah. And hopefully people will uh, leave the book and, um, you know, with some a, a slightly different perspective on things, perhaps. But again, like we've been discussing with dark tourism, it's down to each individual so yeah but hopefully hopefully people find it interesting <laughs> brilliant thanks very much to all of you for joining the podcast today and thank um, you for having us yeah thank you. With your next thank you thank you